The format for this meeting is as follows. Two speakers will share for 25 minutes each, followed by 25 minutes of questions and answers. The topic again is staying abstinent, how I use HP to help me. The first speaker is Patty Kay, and the second speaker will be Mish. Patty. Hi, everybody. I'm a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. My name is Patricia. Hi. So um, I just have to say that, um, you know, there's a lot of miracles right here in this room, and I, and I say that I'm one of them, too. But I wouldn't have any of this if I didn't have God. And we, you can call him HP. You can call him higher power. You can call him whatever you want to call him. I just happen to call him God. And I was raised in Judaism, and I believe that there's only one God. But that doesn't mean you can't have your own God. That's just the way I see God. There's only one, one of them. So anyway, so I happened to open this look, little book. This is our book, our OA book. And today's June 5th. I'm just going to read you one, one portion of this. And so then you'll really know there's a God because it's right here in the book. Nowhere in my life has my higher power been more evident in relieving my compulsive overeating and giving me the OA program of recovery. If I was not a believer when I came to OA, I am a believer now. I was and still am powerless over food. I came to OA with just enough hope to try. There was nowhere else to go, nowhere, nothing left to do. I gave up my will and was relieved of obsession. Today I trust more than I did yesterday, and I will trust more tomorrow than I do today. So I just thought that was really interesting that this was exactly my topic. So I had opened the book um, two weeks ago at home, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll just do that. Like, that's a good start. So that's my start. And then this other part, this is a heavier book. This is the big book. And this book, for me, has all the answers. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't answers in other books. and um, you know, other people's feelings and all like that. But for me, the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous is our, is our parent, is our mother program. And um, I'm obviously a recovering alcoholic. But the thing is, is that for me, when I got here, after being clean for a long time of booze and, and drugs, all of a sudden, I realized that it's all the exact same thing because I have a problem with um, sugar and refined carbohydrate. Now, if any of you don't know that, that's what booze is made out of. It's all the same. So, you know, it's like, oh, duh, you know, I got it. So I'm just going to read a little bit. I'm not going to make it into a uh, literature meeting, but I did have a, um, I had a really, fabulous uh, experience last night with a young man who spoke at the uh, main room there, the keynote speaker from Cleveland, Ohio, and it was just, it was very powerful for me, and I, um, maybe it was because he was also, he also came from the same, you know, came in the same way I did in the front door, not coming in the back door. I used to always think I was coming in the back door because I had a food issue. I had the food issue before I ever had the alcoholic issue. I mean, I had that food issue when I was like four years old. Oh, I'm supposed to give you like my stats. Well, my stats are that um, I'm a 200-pound loser. And, um, and on this, you know, 
it's it's okay. It, it has it happened to say it has nothing to do with me, obviously. But what happened for me was that this power greater than ourselves restored me to sanity. That's the whole, you know, I could put it in a nutshell. If I put it in a nutshell and it stops speaking, that would be it. But there's this, there's, this page, there's this page in the big book. It's 569. It's a spiritual experience. And it talks about the exact thing that I have to do, and that's I have to get in touch with my higher power. Like, that doesn't mean that my higher power won't give me a phone call. But he's very busy. Like, he, he you know, he's, he's got other people. He's got all of you to deal with, you know, and all of us to deal with in the, in the bigger picture. So I have, to, I have to just connect with God. And so one of the things that I just want to tell you about, I'm going to, I'm going to read a little of this, but what I wanted to tell you about is, like, when I serve my food on a plate, I don't say anything out loud. I mean, I do have my husband there anyway, and he wouldn't understand, or maybe he would. But I look at the food, and I ask God if it looks like the right amount of food. Now, sometimes I've already put it on the scale already, because I do weigh certain substances. You know, if I'm having a big salad, and I don't, I don't really worry about a big salad unless it has dressing on it. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be specific about the foods, but I'm a food addict. So for me, I can't just talk about God like... God and then the food like over there like it's all one you know for me it's all one unit you know and it, it, it keeps me it keeps me really sane so um, you know sometimes I sometimes I think that I don't okay let me give, you to, give, give it to you a different way like I once went to this nutritionist who was my sponsor told me uh, it would be a good idea to go to this nutritionist and she even recommended her but you know first of all she wasn't anything like me she wasn't a compulsive overeater. And I need someone who can help me with my food who's a compulsive overeater. Now, that's not to say that God is a compulsive overeater. But what happens, what happens for me about this connection, about this connection with God, is that, so I went anyway, so anyway, so I went and, I went and saw this woman, and she was kind of also pricey. But, you know, I, I wasn't really worried about the priciness. I thought maybe I'd get something out of it. But what I ultimately got out of it was that this woman wasn't going to be the right one to help me because she didn't have, she didn't understand the whole concept of a compulsive overeater. You know, she went to nutritionalist, nutrition school, so she knew all about nutrition, but she didn't understand what my problem was with food. I have a really huge problem with food. You know, some people in the room say, you know, I'm a real compulsive overeater. I don't even have to say it that way. I am a compulsive overeater from the core of me. And so anyway, so this woman told me I should do some moderate kneeling. <laughs> that was when I realized she was not the right person for me because a moderate meal is not, you know, like I remember when I used to go to Weight Watchers, they'd say, have two slices of pizza. So I'd, I'd have two slices and then I'd have the rest of the extra large pizza. You know, and also they once gave me these coupons and I had these dessert coupons and I went to the store and I bought these desserts, and I ate 12 of them in one seating. You know, I don't, there's no, there's, I don't have that. I don't have any moderation. But at the same time, I have a power, and I already said this once, and it's a greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. So anyway, let me just read a little of the spiritual experience. It's really, it's very, it's very, very beautiful. And um, I used to be in this group, um, an OA group, um, of women, 10 women, and, and we did, met at each other's homes. 
and we used to read the spiritual experience when we started off, and it's really, it's really beautiful. It goes like this. The part that I want you to understand about it is, okay, so it goes like this. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many compulsive overeaters have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Ding, 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 ding. That's what I got to do. That's what I got to do every minute. And so, like, I get to work. I work really early in the morning. I, I start work at 5 a.m. So that's already a challenge. And then, the night before, I have to put something in my lunchbox or get ready something, you know, put it in my refrigerator, and then it moves into my lunchbox. I have to have something to eat. Because if I don't have something to eat, then I'm really on the way out. But what I have to do before or any of that is get out of bed and on the way to the bathroom, get in touch with my God. Just say, God, are you there? Are you listening to me? And all I could tell you is that without my higher power, you know, I would be a dieter. Like I have a sister who's five years younger than me. She has two lovely children. They're um, 13 and 11. And in all her cupboards in her kitchen are all the diets that she's ever been on. They're all in the, in the cupboards. You know, the Ladies' Home Journal diet, the Weight Watchers diet. And she always has 15 extra pounds on her that are making her crazy. And I always suggest to her, why don't you try OA? Well, you know, she's seen what has happened for me in the program. But she doesn't think that it would work for her because she doesn't think that she has the same problem. Maybe she doesn't have the same problem. I really have no clue. She had the same mother. That's pretty, that's pretty evident. But, you know, that was one of, that was one of the things about growing up in, in our household. My mother was a gourmet cook. But that didn't help me. That actually was working against me. And when we go out to dinner, she would always suggest, she always, we'd always go to a fish place. But they'd always have a pork choice. So what do you think I had? I had the pork choice. Because my mother wanted me to have the fish choice. And I was like, oh, I'm getting her, I'm getting her. Well, I really didn't get her when I weighed 375. First of all, she was dead. And I was 375. And I had to carry all that extra weight around with me. And at that per- during that period of time, I worked in San Francisco. I live in Marin. I worked in San Francisco. And I had to wear um, pantyhose. And I don't, really don't mean to offend anybody, but I had those pantyhose, and those pantyhose were making a chafing between my thighs. It was not a lot of fun, believe me. But maybe that's what got me to OA in 1989. And ever since, I've been relieved of all that worry about the food, if I get to God. Sometimes I can't get to God. He's just too busy for me then. But that's not really true. God isn't too busy for me. It's I who am too busy to connect with God. Sometimes I come home in the afternoon. I've been out with a girlfriend or doing some errands. And um, unfortunately, my, my husband is out of work at the moment. But um, he'll like look at me and he'll go, well, why don't you go inside for a little while? Because he could see like I had a bad time. You know, he could just see that I'm not feeling really well. That's well he, well he knows me. And what I do, and I can do this, I can do this while I'm driving my car at the same time. And I am not technically inclined, I want you to know. But 
I just try. I don't have to close. If I close my eyes, then I'm in trouble because then I'll get in a car accident. But what I'm trying to get at is I just connect with God. You know, I just have to. I just need to. And what happens when I connect with God is then everything, I feel like I'm not naked. I'm kind of well-dressed. I have nice clothing on and I feel good about myself. And my makeup isn't running and I'm not full of tears. And I proceed to then, you know, um, eat dinner because my husband's already, my husband does all the cooking. It's a wonderful thing. But I just have to always be in touch with God. It's just the only way that this program works for me. Now, there's other people involved. I've got a lot of friends, and I know a lot of people in the program. And what I do is I have a list of their names. And some of them, you know, it's so kind of funny, but sometimes I don't even know who the name is, honestly. Because they were at the Saturday morning meeting, and it says Saturday morning, and I call them on the phone. And I say, you know, I'm having, I'm having a little trouble. Do you have a few minutes? And sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no, sometimes they get an answering machine. But, you know, what happens when you get an answering machine? You know what happens? You get a call back later. And sometimes that person who's making the call back to you needed the call more than you needed to make it. So for me, this is, that's part of the fellowship. And for me, it's, 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 we, know, we know that as a fellowship of the Spirit. Um, God does everything for me that I don't know how to do. And it's just, it's just a really interesting, okay, this is even more interesting because I don't think, I don't remember that Mitch gave me too many, you know, any choices of what I was going to speak on. And then I got an email and this is what I'm speaking on. But, you know, this is really how I live my life. Like sometimes I don't feel really good about myself because, you know, I used to weigh 375 pounds and I used to think that nobody loved me. You know, but God loves me, and all of you love me, and I love all of you in a very special way. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter anymore about that, you know, feeling badly about myself. Where does that get me? You know where that gets me? That gets me into thinking about things, mainly foods that are not on my food plan or that I really don't want to have in my life anymore. So it's like it gets like a speed demon. It goes whoop, goes right out of my head, whoopee, and it's done. And, you know, I, I have to admit that I don't really understand so many things about God or in a more complicated, complex way than I'm telling you now. But all I know is if I get in touch, it's just like a momentary check like this. For ten seconds. And then it's all taken from me. You know, there used to be, um, there used to be some people in Marin who... Um, did their fourth and fifth step, and then they put it in a um, put in a balloon. You know, they wrote it out and they t- tied it up and they put it on a balloon. You know, get those mylar balloons; they're really fun. And then you go with your sponsor out to a park and you let go of the balloon. And for me, it's just like that, except that I'm turning my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understand God. And what is that? Five more minutes. Okay, thank you. Um, the the miracle. Let me just read you this other part of this um, of this spiritual experience. That's really cool. Oh, I put on the I moved, moved the wrong page here. Um, the 
they're talking about a Dr. G. Kirby Collier. Oh, you know, I knew I had the wrong page. Um, this is this is the the last part of the of the page of these two pages. It's a, just a page and a half um, on the spiritual experience, and it goes like this: There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Now, I just have to tell you, I saw, I've seen so many people come in and out of the rooms. First, they were one size, then they came back, and they were a whole other size because they couldn't, they couldn't get the simple concept of, of God. And, you know, I, I remember that I sometimes was the leader on, in this newcomer group on uh, my Saturday morning fellowship, and I would always say, you know, I would always read the thing, you know, it has about the tools and sponsor and lit- literature and all like that. But for me, the most important part is God. Because if you can't understand that there's something greater than yourself that can help you, then you're, you're back into that diet mentality. That's how, it is, that's how it is in my mind. I can't do it. I can't do it with that, that diet mentality. Where did it get me? To 375 pounds. And next time it'll be 600. Because they have this, oh, I don't know why I'm telling you this. They have this um, program on uh, TLC, the Learning Channel, and they have 600-pound women and men lying in bed. Like they can't even get out of their bed to poo. You know, I'd rather be dead than if I couldn't do that. You know, and be able to take care of myself, my my own hygiene. But I don't, I don't feel a fear of that anymore, because I found this program and I found all of you, and I want what you have. And I want what you have. And I want what you have. And that's why we have, we have each other and we can all share. And for me, it's this concept. It's just this concept. It's a, it's a concept. Like, there's a lot of things that I'm not good at. But getting to that concept is something I can do really easily. And it keeps me, it keeps me abstinent. It keeps me abstinent. And abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive overeating. It's an action word. You have to do something. It's not like, you know, for me, even though my husband does all the cooking, when I go to the refrigerator, I see a lot of things in there. And I have to decide what I'm going to have. And usually it's like already 8.30, and I have to be sleeping by 9 to get up. It's like, just, you know, boom, boom, boom. Just do it. Just find something, put it in your lunch, and that's it. And for me, you see, it used to be that all I had in my thoughts were about the next bite. I was always thinking, what am I going to have next? What am I going to have next? And even going to, I remember going to certain stores where I would tell the checker that I was having a party where they like to come. There was no party. It was just me. It would be just me and the checker if the, if the guy ever came, you know. Because I would be, you know, I would be, bu- I would be buying all these foods. I'd be buying all these foods, and these foods were not the right foods for me, you know. But I wasn't checking in with God, so I didn't really know what the right what were the right foods. I had no clue. But once I found Overeaters Anonymous, I found this power who helped me, who enabled me to do it a different way, and that's what it's about. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness 
Honesty and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. So you have to be willing. Of course, if you're not willing, you know, you just do the same thing you're always doing. Where is that going to get you? You know? And I know there are people of all different sizes in this room, and it doesn't really matter in the long run what size you are. It's just about how you can connect with God. Because let me just tell you one quick story. A woman who used to sponsor me, who's got about 40 years of, uh, of abstinence today, she's an un- unbelievable woman, she, when she, she would tell a story that when her daughter was a little girl, this is when first she was starting to go to Overeaters Anonymous, and her sponsor said to her, can you pretend, because she didn't believe in God, can you pretend that there's a power greater than yourself? Now, I guess she must have got it, because she's 40 years abstinent now. So she began pretending, and she pretended. So even if you don't believe, you can pretend. And if you pretend, you know what happens after you pretend a while? You begin to, begin, you begin to believe. There's just no other way to it. So um, I want to just, I'm going to introduce my friend Mish, because um, she's somebody who goes to me, has gone to meeting me for many years, and um, I think I've, I've said enough today. And here's Mish. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for your share. I'm Mesh, a compulsive reader. Wow, talking to the microphone. Um, well, I'm the one that came up with the idea for this. Um, Mitch asked me to speak, and he said, what do you want to speak on? I didn't like any of the topics because I, I had my own way. And so, um, and, and this is a spiritual program for me. And uh, what other part is there? I mean, when I think of all the different steps and all the things I have to do, it's all an act of God. So um, this is definitely a spiritual program. And so I thought I would just talk a little bit about um, the things that I do, um, how my higher power helps me stay abstinent on a daily basis. Because I can't do it. I'm powerless over food. So obviously something better keep me abstinent today or I'm going to be face down in the food again. I've been abstinent since um, April 1981. And I... um, I maintain, well, my, my top weight, well, I stopped weighing at 175. I, I don't know how, I, maybe I got to 200, I don't know. I was a, I was a bulimic. So, I, you know, I was at my top weight and I was puking 20 times a day. And then uh, my low weight was around 97 pounds. So I, you know, I was out of control, you think? And um, so, so that's sort of just a little bit about me. Um, I came to OA in uh, 1977. I was 17 years old, and everybody was old. And uh, <laughs> well, when you're 17, everybody's old. Um, but I knew, and even at 17, I was I was desperate. I was dying. I was going to kill myself um, over my food addiction because you know I'd be driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour, stuffing cake in my face. You know, I, I really didn't care. All I cared about was food. And when am I going to get the next bite? So, um, so I've been in OA for a long time. Um, one time I got out a calculator and I thought, how many meetings have I been to? You know, I think it's around 5,000. And here I am today at a meeting because I love meetings. And, um, you know, I can't do it alone. This is not a correspondence course. Um, and even though I have a higher power, 
you know, I still need all of you. Like my higher power speaks to me through all of you. And I just have to say a funny thing. So um, somebody had called me a couple days ago and said, asked me if I could give her a ride to home from the convention today. Um, and I said, sure, I'd be happy to give you a ride. And then she didn't call me back. So I, and I got here. I'm like, gosh, you know, she didn't call me back. I wonder if she's here. So I'm wandering around. I see, I know a lot of people here. You know, I don't know everybody, but a few people. And I saw so and so and so and so. And I thought, who should I ask if they've seen this person? Because there's so many people here. Am I ever even going to find her? And so I go back up to the registration table, and there's somebody there. And I said, have you seen so and so here today? She said, no. You know what? I was supposed to give her a ride this morning, but she never called. I'm like, of all the people, I, this is how my higher power works. I could have gone crazy all afternoon. Where, where is this person? Am I giving her a ride? Am I not? And I went to one person, and the one person I asked was the person who knew that that other person wasn't here today, and I don't have to worry about it. You know? I mean, that's kind of how my higher power works. Um, and I'll tell two other funny stories, and then I'll, I'll read a couple things in um, Into Action, which is um, a great section of the big book. I'm a big book thumper. When I came to OA, there was no OA literature, hard, you know, books. There was just the pamphlet, the guy, the green pamphlet, before you take that first compulsive bite, he's looking like this. Um, and then a few other ones I don't remember. But um, I'd been abstinent about um, maybe, not very long, maybe a year, maybe not even a year, maybe six months. And I was in college, and I was um, working in a coffee shop and drinking lots of coffee because in, in OA you can drink all the coffee you want there's no calories right so I'm drinking tons of coffee and um, I was having a bad day don't know why doesn't matter and um, in the coffee shop as you know there's all kinds of things in a coffee shop not just coffee and so there's these and this was back in the probably yeah, I guess it was early 80s um, for those of you who were around then um, and one thing one food fad that had just come out which is those giant chocolate chip cookies and, you know, I, I'm abstinent. I've never had one, right? And so I'm working in the cafe. I'm wired on coffee. I'm pissed off. And I'm like, I'm going to eat one of those cookies. And, I, you know, like I said, I'm very new in recovery. I have my hand on the cookie jar. And these names of these cookies, and I'm sure they're not around anymore, but they're called Unknown Jeromes. And their slogan was, eat cookies for a personality change. And my hand recoiled as from a hot flame because normal people eat a cookie. I mean, the whole idea is you eat cookies, you'd be nicer. Me, I turn into a monster. So needless to say, by the grace of God, and I'm just so humbled by that, but, you know, this is kind of how my higher power works. Like, even when I can't save myself, you know, the hand of God comes in and saves me. And then there was another time, I'll tell you, that I have a lot of these kinds of experiences, but these are the ones that kind of stand out. So... I was around one year abstinent, and um, my sponsor at the time made me, uh, she said, before you get out of bed every morning, you have to read something out of the big book. I don't care what it is, just open the book and read it. So I got up, and uh, I had like a year, and I'm like, I've got a year of abstinence. I can eat donuts for breakfast today. <laughs> I'm a compulsive reader, you know, of course. Let's celebrate, right? I, I, I've been doing this for a year. I think I'm cured. You know, and even if I'm not, I'll, you know, I'll eat that donut and I'll get right back on, right? So, but I'm like, ah, oh, damn, you know, my sponsor said I got to read something first. So, open the big book just at random, and here's what I read. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed if we remain sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. 
But here's a man who at 55 found he was just where he left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a short time as bad as ever. So needless to say, by the grace of God, once again, I got saved. I did not have to go eat the donuts. Because donuts are hell for me. I mean, I will die. I mean, it's life and death for me. This is not, I don't mess around, you know. I mean, I was going to die of this disease. It's it's life-threatening. I mean, at least for me. And it's just my experience. Take what you like and leave the rest. Um, so, 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 like, how does that higher power work? You know, what do I, how do I use my higher power? Because what is this thing anyway, right? Well, I found my higher power through working the 12 steps, starting with step one. I mean, it took a lot of humility of, for me to even admit that I was powerless over food because that was the last thing I was ever going to admit. Because if you admit powerlessness over food, you got to keep eating for the rest of your life. See, if I was in denial about it, and this time it'll be different, and this time I'll only have one, then maybe this time I really will only have one. But you know what? I never had just one. Never once did I have just one. So, um, so by taking the and it took me about, you know, like I said, I've been abstinent since 1981, but I um, I came to OA in 1977. So it took me about four years. And those four years, my eating was the absolute worst. I was suicidal. I was homicidal. I was every other kind of suicidal you could be. You know, I just, I was desperately in the food. And doing, it it got got worse for me, too. You know, after I got to OA, you know, and and then I was still eating, it it got worse. It's a progressive disease. So, um, so I have a pretty thick skull. I have a lot of denial. Boy, this kind of going in and out, but whatever. Um, Sorry. Okay. So anyway, um, so so in taking step one, that like I said, that was almost like an act of God right there, you know, that I finally admitted, and it talks about here in the big book, we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were compulsive overeaters. And that's the first step of recovery. And that's what it took for me is that I had to admit Fully concede, I've lost my legs, I will never grow new ones, I will never be able to eat like a normal eater. And here's the crazy thing. Today, if you were to look at how I eat, you would say, oh, Mish is a normal eater. If you didn't know me, like people who don't know me and don't know my past or my history, you know, they look at how I'm like, ah, you eat so healthy, and oh, you're so good, and all these things. Yeah, right, if you only knew, you know, but but like, so so even though... I eat like a normal, I have a normal food plan. I mean, my food is normal, whatever I'm trying to say, but I'm not a normal eater. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I have to remember that And I, every morning when I wake up. And again, you know, this is what I do. This is what keeps me asking it for another day, is that I um, grab my big book, you know, I still do that, read my literature. I read a lot of spiritual literature, and I read program literature, Um and if you want to know what spiritual literature I read, you can ask me after the meeting. Um, but um, I read that stuff, and I do my prayer and meditation. And during that time in the morning, I check in with my higher power. And sometimes I have to say, I admit I'm powerless over food, like I say the first three steps. Sometimes I have to say it like three or four times. It's like, powerless over food. Huh, what does that mean again? I admit I'm powerless over food. I admit I'm, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I'm powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. You know, and, and then right after that, you know, I have, to, I have to remind myself of step two, which is that I came to believe 
that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And that is true for me. Like, if there's no power greater than myself, then I'm doomed because I am powerless over food. And if, if something, if there's not a power greater than myself that can cure me, whatever, I'm not cured for sure, heal me of the disease, then I better start believing in that. It doesn't really matter. Here's my secret. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. No one's ever going to know. You can't prove it one way or the other, right? So who cares? Maybe it's all just a big joke, you know? But guess what? I get to stay abstinent today because I believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. And I started with the doorknob, you know? Doorknob does not have a problem with compulsive overeating. I have a problem with compulsive overeating. Therefore, the doorknob is a power greater than myself. I will turn my will and my life over to the doorknob. And that's how I started. I mean, it's crazy, but I'm crazy, right? So crazy things work for crazy people. Um, and then I and then I remind myself that I I turn my turn my will and my life over to the my, care of my higher power. I don't do it because I back in probably 1982 I was working my steps with my first sponsor. We got down our knees. I know it sounds really corny. But we were working the first three steps together, and we got down on, on our knees in my living room, and we held hands, and we said the third step prayer. And, and that's the day I turned my will and my life over to the care of God, you know. That was a long time ago. I can't take it back. I made that decision. I'm done. All I have to do is remind myself that I made that decision. And so that's what I do. And so... And then I always have all kinds of crazy stuff going on in my head because, I, you know, I have this issue and that issue in my life and this problem and that problem, blah, blah, blah. So then I start with my list of things that I'm turning over to God for that day, you know. And I, you know, and I just have to say, God, I'm powerless over this, 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 and this. Pretty much everything. But I like to name it anyway just for laughs. And um, I am surrendering this all to you today. I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about all these issues, problems, whatever. But what can I do today? There's, so it's like, okay, well, I can't do anything about those things, but there's still plenty of things I can do about all the other things in my life today. So, you know, I can show up for work. I can do a good job. I can pay attention when I'm there. Wow, on my job. Like, I can actually do a good job. I can be a good parent to my daughter. You know, I, I can, you know there's so many things that I can, when I'm driving, I can drive like a nice person. I don't have to drive like a jerk. I still drive like a jerk sometimes. I admit it. I don't have a lot of patience when I'm driving. So I'm working on it, right? You know what I mean? And that's what's so great about this program is that I can, I have a problem. I have an issue. You know what? And I'm willing to, to try something. And most of the time it's, God, I just have to surrender this. I can't make myself do anything. I really can't. And so I need my higher power to help me. And, again, that's an act of humility for me because I want to believe I've been, I was brought up, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you do it yourself, you know. And, and I want to believe that I can fix anything and that I can do anything. But my recovery did not come from that. My recovery came from I can't do shit. Sorry. I can't do anything. You know what I mean? I need a higher power. I need, you know, the help of all of you people um, who keep coming back, who talk to me on the phone, who call me when they have a problem, and I can talk to them and get my get out of my head for five minutes. Isn't that nice? Um, so, so there's a lot of ways that um, my higher power kind of works in my life. And, you know, that doesn't mean I get the magic parking space every time, and it doesn't mean that I get everything that I want, you know, because I don't. 
I get I get whatever I get, and then I get to deal with that too, you know. And and uh, so I'm I'm just really grateful that this is a program that you know I I was brought up in a very strict, you know, punishing God kind of religion, and it took me about five years of abstinence before I could finally just like let that go, you know, and say you know what that's not the God I have to. To believe it. I mean, I was like, that, that was blasphemy. You can't just decide what your God's going to be. You can't do that. But you know what? That's what I did. And that's what I do, you know, is that I get to decide what my higher power is. And I get to decide that my higher power is a nice higher power and is a caring and a loving. It says a loving God. It doesn't say a mean God, a vengeful God, a God that's going to, you know, zap you with lightning bolts. That's not the higher power that I believe in today. Maybe that God exists. Well, oh, well. But that's not the God I'm going to believe in today. You know, I'm going to believe in the, in the, you know, the loving God, the God that's got his hand or its hand out to me and reaching out to me through, you know, recovery, through this fellowship that I'm in, that we're in. Thank you. Um, and, um, you know, through all of you and through this book to me is, is, just, is just magic, even though there's some, some not magic stuff in here. Some of this stuff really makes me mad. But for the most part, this book is um it's it's a like i can read this book i don't know i don't know how many times i've read this book i've lost track and every time i read it though it means something different or i found a new way to apply some concept or then or maybe you've heard of the big book adders that come in the night they you know like they come in the night and they add stuff to the book that wasn't there so I've, i've i've been struck by the big book adders um, and as long as I've been reading this book, I still find new ways to work this program and to work these steps and, and to find another day of recovery, you know, because every day of recovery is, is, is like so precious to me, you know, and I'm always still one bite away. I'm always still one bite away from a binge, you know, and I, you know, today, you know what, I want recovery and I want my abstinence more than anything. I mean, it's the most, I write this on the phone pad all the time for those of you who know me. I should just get a rubber stamp that says abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. And then when the pad comes to me, I can just stamp it on there. Because the lines are always different lengths and sometimes I can't fit it all in, but maybe if I get a real rubber stamp, I can just stamp it on there. Hey, maybe I'll do that. Who knows? But anyway, um, so my abstinence is the most important thing in my life, without exception, and um, and that that means I get to do a lot of things to make sure that for one more day, I'm abstinent, you know. And then if I have a chance, I have a fighting chance if I'm abstinent. If I'm not abstinent, I don't even want to know, you know. I just don't even want to know where my life would go. Because sometimes it feels like I'm just hanging on by a thread. I'm thinking, man, you know, if this is what's going on, and I'm and I'm abstinent, just imagine how crazy it would be if I weren't. So. I have all of you to thank for um, my recovery, and um, and I hope you all keep coming back. Thanks. Thank you both. Um, can you hear me? Huh. Can you hear me now? Thank you both, and thanks for the humor too. I really appreciated that myself and. Um, now the speakers will um, draw questions from the Ask It Basket for the remainder of the meeting. Thank you. 
I'm just trying to see if I can make sense out of it a second. Okay, it says, binging is my abstinence. But a few days ago, I ate a few crackers, some kind of, kind of, some kind of crackers, and after lunch, in reaction to a work situation. Oh, this is where I am with my, reco- my food recovery. No dramatic binging, but consistent using of food, like cigarettes, a few crackers after lunch, I can't read this. Is something okay? I'm just going to answer that part. Um, oh, sorry. Um, I just have to say that if um, if I start if, if I start compu- compulsively overeating, I just how do I say this? Is a thousand is never enough? Do you know what that means? Like I would I would have to kill the person at the donut shop. I would have to annihilate them and then eat every donut. You know what? I just, I just can't do that anymore. I don't have, I don't have the energy to do that anymore. And um, where I work, luckily for me, where I work in the morning, the morning when I work in the morning, so you know, from five to nine a.m., everyone's pretty much um, on an even keel, except once in a while, like um, some member will just come over and say like the most ridiculous thing. But. You know, there's, for example, there are two vending machines there where I work. And the promise is that I can only, the only thing I can eat out of the vending machine is water. Because there's not one thing in the vending machine that's not my food plan. I will say that I once had, I'm not really sure I'm answering this person's question. I once had um, an experience where I bought the um, sunflower seeds. They're already out of the shell. And I took one mouthful and they were so salted. I swear to God, I spit them out. And then I just promised God I would never do that again. The thing is, is that what I think this person is asking, and I, I'm sorry if I'm not, if I'm not, try, I'm just trying to get to this topic. You have, it's before you take the first bite that you binge. You have to figure out what's, how to not engage in the first bite before you have in the first bite. Once you have the first bite, you're fucked. Oh, excuse me. You just, excuse me, excuse my language. Um, if I said that word at work, I would be out of a job, so I'm glad I don't do that. But, you know, the thing, the, really, the, 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 whole con- the whole concept of God is getting me to not have that bite. Um, you know, they say, like, like, it's like a scenario. It's like a dramatic play in your mind before you have that bite. So you have to stop the play and say to God, get in here, help me, stop this. Or you make, you know, you make five phone calls. You just can't take the first bite. There used to be a poster in a, a club that I used to go to in New York, and it said, think it through. And it was about a drink, but it's the same about food. You have to think through before you take that first bite. Once you, as far as I see it, I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure I'm answering this person's question, but before you take the before you even think about it, so you have to think about it. If your absence means that you have the right food in your home anyway, like I will say, I do have one nice thing to I have more than one nice thing to say about my husband, but I'll say one nice thing about him. Ever since we were married, he gave up eating bread. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't eat bread when we go to Las Vegas, because he does. He eats the bread in Las Vegas. But he knows that the bread is something that's really just terrible for me to have. And so we don't have it in our household. 
He has these tortillas. I would never eat those tortillas. Never. They are the, they're the least palatable thing to me. But if he had a loaf of bread, even if it was whole wheat bread, you never know. I might wake up in the middle of the night and have the whole loaf. And if I had the whole loaf, then I'd be on my way to the Safeway. And then I'd buy five loaves or ten or whatever. So the thing is, you have to engage God the way I do it, is I engage God before I have that bite. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm, I'm also imper- my, my abstinence is imperfect, but I do have perfect abstinence from sugar and flour, period. I have to say that I have gone to parties where they had certain substances that are really not exactly my food plan, but they're not, not on my food plan. And I have had too many of those things. They're actually called peanuts or cashews or pistachios. But you know something? I, re- I have it in my mind now. And it, this doesn't have anything to do with God. This is just my mind. When I do that, when I overeat, especially at a party. Now, I have this thing about this program, about our program, that's very special to me. That I, I want to be setting an example for people who might know someone who has a fat cousin and who might call me on the phone at work because they know me and say, you know what, I, um, I saw you at the party and it was really wonderful that you didn't have to eat those things. But I did eat them, see what I mean? So you might not ever call me. To... The t- sharing your program with another person is very, very special to me. So lately, if I'm going to a party, I don't go until after all those kind of things are around. I have my dinner at home with my husband, and then we go to the party, and I don't stay around those foods. Whereas at another time, I would be, you know, elbow deep in those foods, and I wouldn't be able to stop. And even though, like I say, they're they're kind of questionable on my abstinence, there's no question they're not on my abstinence. Who am I kidding? You think I'm kidding any of you? I doubt it. So, you know, I just have to be, I just have to be, I call it ever vigilant. Now, I would never, you know, like I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go to a pasta store and eat, eat pasta or an Italian restaurant. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of people I know don't like to eat at Italian restaurants because they're worried about the bread. I'm not worried about the bread. I'm not eating that bread. But I can have fish. I can have vegetables. I can have a salad. I can all the things that I want to eat there. No problem. And my husband can have his bread too. So, thanks. I, I picked, um, I don't know if you're supposed to just pick one, but I did. Um, I read them all and then I picked one. <laughs> because I like this one. What do you do when you feel disconnected from God? And um, this is a great question because, because I'd like to say that I never feel disconnected from God. But the truth is that there's a lot of times that I feel disconnected from God. So, um, you know, and I was flipping through the book, but I think it's in the 12 and 12, the AA 12 and 12 that talks about sometimes we're seized with a rebellion so sickening that we can't pray um, and that we, you know, we do all the things that we do, we know to do that will help until it passes. And that's, and that's what I do. So sometimes I, when I'm doing my prayer meditation that I'm just, you know, given lip service, but that's okay because eventually I will get that connection, that feeling of connection with my higher power back. It usually doesn't last very long. Um, maybe it lasts a couple days or maybe a week. There might be something really hard that, you know, I'm dealing with going on. Um, 
But I know that my higher power is always there. I mean, I believe that. I believe my higher power is always there. I'm not always connected to it, and it's kind of on me. If I, if I don't feel connected, it's not like God has left me. It's like I have left God, and that um, I need to find something that's going to restore me to sanity. Like, And that's kind of what it is. When I'm disconnected from God, then, then I'm usually in self-will. I'm usually mad because something's not going my way. I'm usually afraid. Um, I'm resentful. Um, I'm self-righteous. I'm judgmental. Oh, gee, those are defects of character. Hmm. Those get in the way of my relationship with my higher power. So if I'm feeling disconnected, I need to look at myself and look at what I'm doing or not doing and and see what um, what it is that I need to surrender because that's, that's the key for me is just complete surrender that I that I have to do every day. I have to say, God, you you got to take everything, and whatever happens is whatever happens, and I know you'll give me the strength to deal with whatever it is. And in the meantime, I can't afford to uh, be in self righteousness or self pity or resentment or any of those things because that that leads me to food. So, and I don't want to I don't want to go to food. So. Um, so, but I do pray a lot. You know, I think that really helps me keep connected. That all I have to do is pray. I can say the serenity prayer. Um, I can say the third step prayer. I, there's a lot of prayers that I can say. And, and sometimes I just say them over and over and over and over again. So, thanks. I'm going to read this one backward. If you don't, uh, at, the person's asking, what do you do if you want to eat so badly that you think you'll die or kill someone else? Just kidding. If you don't, and you don't quite believe in a higher power, well, then you just have to kind of fake it. But the thing is, if you call, you have to just call a lot of people. And what I usually do is I usually extricate myself from the food source. Like I'm in my house, I go to a, a hike, a hiking place. Or I just take my iPod and just take a walk. And, you know, the thing is, is that I, my husband and I generally don't have too much food around. Like, like that's like this not even good, eat, you know, good to eat, really. So it's kind of easier for me. Um, I remember that at certain times when we're having company over, like we have my in-laws over and our family over. And, you know, I don't even feel comfortable. I, you know, because I'm... I'm a, I, was, I used to be a night eater, and I still wake up in the middle of the night, and I drink water, and then sometimes if I go to the bathroom, and then, of course, I know the light of the refrigerator is always a good light. You know, that's just, that's just too, that's too, too dangerous for me, so I just stay in my bedroom, you know. We have a bathroom in our bedroom. I close the door, and I don't go out. Whatever I have to do, whatever it takes, going to any length, that's what any length is, going to any length not to have that first bite. Um... And even if you don't believe in God, it doesn't matter if you believe in God. Maybe you just can't believe in yourself. You see, for me, it's the powerlessness. The first step is admitted we were powerless over food. If I get to there, then I'm, I'm home free. Because God takes it from me. That's what I get from the, working the first step perfectly. That's the only step you have to work perfectly. That's what this guy Chuck says in L.A. And if you work the first step perfectly, you're, you're done. Because then you don't have to have the bite. 
You have to, when you, when you think you have to have the bite, you have to do everything but have the bite. And you know what? There's this terrible expression from AA. It goes, this too shall pass. And it does. It really does. Sometimes it may take a half an hour, but also, see, I also go in my room, I close my door, and there's nothing in there for me to eat. It's like I'm in a different setting. If I'm going to stay in the kitchen and look in the, you know, in the refrigerator or look in the cupboards and see we have this, that, or the other thing, I generally don't eat between meals. I'm not a snacker. That doesn't mean that anyone here shouldn't have a snack. You have your sponsor, and that's, that's what you decide. One of my sponsors has to have a snack because she doesn't get home till 8 o'clock to eat dinner. I think that's ridiculous if you can't have a snack. But I'm not a snacker because if I was a snacker, I would make it into another meal. I just can't stop. So I just don't have the snack. I don't have the bite. The bite, the bite, the bite. Don't have the bite. Thank you. How do you hear God when you have a decision to make? How do you know you made the right decision? And I think this is a great question because I have a lot of decisions that I make all the time. And and for me, there's not really a right or a wrong decision because something happens and maybe I didn't do the best thing or the thing that would have been the right thing because I didn't see everything. But you know what? What's great about that is that I always learn something. And I always grow and I always get closer to my higher power. You know, and sometimes I'll just pray and pray and pray and, and an answer won't come. And so um, sometimes I put things in my God box. And I love my God box. It's actually a, a piggy bank. But I write stuff down. I write a little slip of paper and I say, you know, whatever it is, you know. And then I say, I, um, what did I just put in my God box the other day? <sighs> I forget because I put it in the God box. It makes me forget. But but here's the funny thing is that, so anyway, so I'll just say uh, whether I'm going to buy a new car, okay? Oh, should I buy a new car or should I not? So then I'll say, okay, God, well, I don't know if I should buy a new car or not. Um, so I'll just say, you know what? I'm powerless over buying a new car, and my life is unmanageable. I'll write it down, new car, right? And then I get on my knees, and I say, God, I admit I'm powerless over buying a new car, and my life is unmanageable. I came to believe a power greater than myself will restore me to sanity. I made a decision to turn my will in my life and buying a new car over to my higher power. And so then I, um, okay, I'll shut up. Um, and then I put it in the, in the box, and I forget all about it. And I might buy the car or I might not buy the car. I don't really know whatever, whatever ends up happening, but what, what's really great is that sometimes, you know, my book God box gets too full. i got to empty it out. And I'm looking at all the pieces of paper, and I'm just like, wow, all these things I didn't necessarily get what I thought was going to happen or what I wanted, but they all worked out somehow, and I dealt with it, and I didn't have to eat. And that is, that is like, to me, that is a testament to my higher power working in my life. Thanks. This time I can read this one. How do you become willing to work with a sponsor? Well, as far as I'm concerned, there's no other way to do it. You can't do it on your own. And if you think you can do it on your own, then you're really not, it just doesn't work. I don't know how to explain it. Um, I've had a lot of sponsors in the years that I've been in Overeaters Anonymous, and um, I don't have any, I don't have one enemy in the bunch. I'll be friends with them for the rest of my life in OA. Um, A sponsor is someone who shares your experience, strength, and hope with, with you. And you, that's, you ask them, you find someone who has what you want, 
and you ask them how they're achieving it. And we have a we have kind of a small. I, I don't want to say we have a weak fellowship. We have a strong fellowship. But it's a small fellowship. And so a lot of times people raise their hands that they're available to sponsor, but there's only a few people. So um, I always tell people, you know, because sometimes newcomers call me on the phone and I say, you know, what I suggest you do is just ask someone. Just ask. And if it doesn't work with that person, it's okay. You know, when I was very young in recovery, I'm just going to tell you a little little uh, off-side story. Um, I met this woman at a meeting in San Francisco. This was right before the... Um, earthquake and this young woman was wearing a white v-neck t-shirt it was the summer and she, her, her shirt was all f- wet with tears and her her um, sponsor had fired her now as far as I know I don't think people fire each other in a way I've never actually heard of it other than that young woman and it was just so horrible and she actually she actually became a good friend of mine after that but anyway firing is the opposite of asking a sponsor but what happens is, if, you, if it doesn't work with your sponsor, sometimes it doesn't work because you have the wrong time of day. You know, they have your availability then and you don't and whatever. But you can always learn from someone in OA, whether they're your sponsor or not. But your sponsor is someone who can envelop you with love and teach you all they know. And you definitely want to find someone who is working the program, who has what you want, whatever, you, whatever it is you want. They might not, you know, you might start off looking at someone and thinking, you know, that person doesn't really look like what, you think it's going to be someone very different. And then it becomes, it turns out to be someone who you just love. You just fall in love with them. And I had that experience with my sponsor now, my current sponsor. And I will say that I had a sponsor, I had two times before her, I wasn't, we just really didn't connect. But it wasn't my personality thing, just was the timing wasn't right. I never connected with them during my, you know, my regular day. So I think, I think finding a sponsor is a, one, a one, really wonderful part of this program. And like I say, if it doesn't work with that sponsor, you move on to another sponsor. Thank you. How do the tools figure into your relationship with your higher power? Um, I love the tools. I think the tools are the shortcut to God um, in in my program um, because, like, let's think of what they are. Okay, abstinence. All right, I can't be abstinent without you know having a, a higher power. So um, so that's one thing because if I'm in food, then of course I'm not listening to my higher power. I'm not able to do anything but my own will. Um, writing, I think, was a tool they added. I don't know what it was. It wasn't a tool for a while. Then it was kind of like Pluto was a planet, and then it wasn't. But anyway, <laughs> that was silly. Um, but anyway, Pluto is still a planet. I want to believe Pluto is a planet, so I will. Um, so writing is, is a great way um, for me to get in touch with my higher power because when I, when I can get in touch with myself and my feelings and what's going on, it makes it, it's almost like it makes it real and it makes it that I can turn it over to my higher power. Um, let's see, literature I think is awesome for finding my higher power. The big book, there's so many things in there that um, that help me to just be connected to my higher power and, and stay in close contact. Like I, 
for me personally, and again, it's my belief that I believe the big book is divinely inspired. So whenever I'm reading that book, I feel like I'm like just right there with God. Um, sponsorship, that's another another way that, you know, I, if I can like really be honest with another person, like what's really going on, I mean, that's not easy for me to do. I'm someone who's just like, I've got this, you know, facade and you just stay away and everything will be okay. You'll, you'll live. So um, having a sponsor is, is also a way to sort of break down the walls and, and be close to my higher power. So I saw the buzzer and I think we're out of time. So I'll, I'll stop. Thank you. Please stand and join hands as we close with the OA Palmist.